Support for The Great Quad Cities Listen on WVIK comes from the Joyce and Tony Singh Family Foundation. My name is Keenan Wilson. I'm from Davenport, Iowa. And my name is Brendan Eigelhart. I'm also from Davenport, Iowa. Brendan Eigelhart loves to travel. He's visited Romania, Moldova, and Cuba, to name just a few of the 30-plus countries he's traveled to. Many people would envy Brendan for the opportunities he's had to sightsee the world over. But there's one country he visited that perhaps most Americans would gladly avoid, even if they had the chance to visit. North Korea. Brendan visited the totalitarian dictatorship in 2014. He talked about his trip to North Korea at the studios of WVIK with his friend, Keenan Wilson. So exactly what made you want to go to North Korea? What was the inspiration behind going there? I was interested in going to Asia. I'd never been there before. And I was reading a blog about someone who'd been to, uh, I think, Shanghai or Beijing. And as I was reading, I noticed it went on and she actually had left Beijing and gone to Pyongyang. I thought, hmm, I didn't know that that's a place that people could go. (laughs) And I... I'm not super um, great at geography, but I knew that North Korea was the Korea that you usually don't go to. (laughs) So that that was somewhat intriguing. So I started doing some research and I found out that there's several companies that take tourists from Europe and the U.S. and other um, similar countries into North Korea. And it, it was actually pretty cheap to go. You just have to get yourself to China. You get a very kind of filtered perspective when you go there because obviously... Really, they're not they're not actually doing it, I don't think, for the money because, again, it's not super, super expensive to go. Um, and so I think it's really more for propaganda value just to kind of show off their the greatness of North Korea and have you come back and tell your friends, which obviously coming from, you know, the middle class in the U.S., it's, you know, nothing – it kind of pales in comparison, but – Basically, when you when you get there, you you have to fly in. If you're American, they don't let you take the train um, for some reason because they don't want you to see the secrets of the countryside of <laughs> Korea and, and China. But basically, you get in and um, the, you get on a bus, and they just start taking you around and showing you various monuments and and things like that in, in Pyongyang. And the thing that kind of strikes you initially, or struck me at least, was just how much propaganda there is everywhere so on the plane they show you little videos of like marches and speeches from from the dear leaders and stuff and then you get there and pretty much all the billboards i mean it's not like you know driving around the u.s there's you know commercial billboards for businesses they don't have private business really there um to speak of and so it's all all that sort of stuff is dedicated to um you know praising the leaders and the greatness of the country. And actually, there's a lot of anti-American advertisements as well, too, which is a little uncomfortable. Because <laughs> there's a lot of that sentiment, obviously, around the world. You know, you get when you travel as an American, sometimes you get kind of mixed perspectives from people. But, you know, rarely do you see something where there's, like, bombs dropping on an American flag and, like, eagles exploding and things like that. <laughs> I went with a company that's based in China, um, and they just they kind of cater to people who want to go to offbeat places. So they actually also do trips to like Iraq and Iran and Afghanistan and pretty much anywhere. Their their um, tagline or, or motto is places we take you to places your mother wouldn't want you to go, <laughs> which, which is pretty pretty accurate. So I was in a group with about maybe thirty other people, um, and there were only a couple other Americans. Most of the people were from um, Europe, or there were a couple of Kiwis and people from Australia as well. How how did your family? 
Yeah, you, you know my mom. I was about so. to say, yeah, how did your mom feel about you going to North Korea? Um, they actually were pretty okay with it. I'm not really sure how much I told them. I think I mentioned that I was going to Korea. I think that they probably knew, though, because they're, they like to know these things. But I don't know. I think that they they trust me to make decisions and you know i'm a smart enough guy where i wouldn't go into something where i'm you know my my death or serious injury is is eminently likely um and that's the thing that's kind of weird about going there too is that obviously you know there's been incidents with us tourists there and it's especially now with everything going on there being the threat of war you know it's it's actually there is a you know clear and present danger of of going there but when i was there there wasn't this kind of this tension that we have now and obviously in terms of um you know personal injury or property crime i think no one there really steps out of line it's not like you're going to get pickpocketed because i think everyone there knows that if they step out of line it's going to be there's going to be consequences, shall we say? <laughs> what is like? What's the craziest thing that happened to you while you were over there? I think the the thing that was the most wild was we visited the mausoleum um, that is home to the bodies of um, Kim Il Sung, who's kind of the father of North Korea, and then Kim Jong Il, who obviously was one of, um, his son and one of the former leaders. And they gave us kind of some warning that that was the only time during the trip that we had to dress really nicely and, you know, where we really kind of got a lecture about, you know, you really need to be respectful here and no, not listen to listen to instructions and don't <laughs> carry on. And we couldn't bring any electronics or, you know, cameras or anything like that in. So you get there and you take, I think if I recall, you take an escalator underground and so you just enter this huge kind of cavernous room and the first thing you hear is crying and mourning because it's it's considered to be, it's called the Palace of the Sun, it's considered to be like the most sacred place um, to the North Korean people. and so there's just this, this constant state of mourning there. And so even some of the soldiers are like actually have tears coming you know, from their eyes and stuff, which, you know, obviously who knows how much of that is <laughs> legit or versus kind of just like, well, you better cry now because that's your job. Um, but there's lots of men with scary guns. So that's a good inducement to kind of be respectful. And so the, the first thing when you get there is they take you to this room where there's all these like different awards and certificates that have been awarded to the leaders over time. And there are actually some from universities in the U.S., um, places I'd never heard of before, not any big names, <laughs> but uh, I was like, hmm, that's interesting. I wonder if these places, the alums know that their universities are giving out certificates to the leaders of North Korea. And then after that, we, um, you go through this kind of little hallway and there's th- these blowers that, that I guess try to like clear the dust off your body and then it gets really chilly. And then suddenly you're in this huge room that's um, really cooled and you, under the glass is is the body of, of Kim Il-sung, which there's been some talk about whether that's the bodies are actually there. I mean, cause that's, you know, I don't, I don't know that much about mortuary science and how that, how preservation of dead bodies works, but it, I mean, it looked like a dead body to me and I wasn't in any yeah. <laughs> position to question. And so they told us before we arrived that you would be expected once you're in that room to bow down. So you actually go to, you kind of go to one side and you bow and then you go to the other side and there's this whole thing to it. But again, always present are the men with scary guns. So you just, you just do it yourself. And then you go into the next room and then there's the body. Uh, you see the body of Kim Jong-il under glass there. So that was pretty wild. And I mean, a lot of this stuff during the trip, you it's sort of like you're in a fantasy land. It's, it doesn't really feel real, but that was the, the only time in the trip where I thought like, wow, this is, I'm really here. This is the kind of stuff I'm going to tell my grandkids someday. So um, what were kind of like, uh, what were the biggest cultural differences you saw there between like North Korea and America? Yeah, again, it's it's kind of, it's difficult to get a real perspective because again, you are not really given an opportunity. You don't get to talk to anyone because no one there really speaks English. So you don't get that much of a feel for it. But one of the things that you just visibly notice is that everyone there 
all the people that we saw in Pyongyang and even the countryside are dressed very kind of conservatively, um, especially in Pyongyang. People dress nicely. Um, everyone's kind of put well put together. And then everyone there, um, for the most part, wears these pins that have um, the images of, I believe, Kim Il-sung and then Kim Jong-il on them. And I don't remember what the significance of that is, but it's you you, know, you see all these people that are dressed very similarly with similar kind of haircuts and everyone's very slender. And then they're all wearing these pins. It's <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of one of like some science fiction movie in a way. And actually one of the guides on our trip who I think he was from Ireland, but he was one of the owners of the company and he obviously had a good relationship with the North Korean government. And so I think he had a petition and asked if he would be allowed to wear this pin as a sign of respect. And so he actually wore the pin too, but he was this, you know, six foot five white guy <laughs> among, among a bunch of North Korean people. So he stuck out just a little bit with his, I can his only pin. imagine. Yeah. yeah. Did you ever fear for your safety? Honestly, I didn't. I don't know. I'm not the kind of guy who worries about that much, too much anyway in my day-to-day life. But even there, there's not really that much. Um, there aren't really any opportunities to why you would fear for your safety, I guess. I mean, other than there's constant military presence. But, you know, I think unless you kind of step out of line or do something blatantly, you know, illegal, I, w- I wasn't really under the impression that I was going to be in any danger. And, and like I mentioned, there's there's been instances recently um, of people, especially Americans who've gone over there and, and been imprisoned for various reasons, which obviously that's ridiculous. I mean, the, the crimes they commit are pale in comparison to the, the punishments that they receive. So you do travel a lot. Mm-hmm. Like you on Instagram is so annoying to look at. Because <laughs> it's just, oh, I'm here and I'm here. Uh, so how did this trip compare to other trips you've taken in foreign countries? It's it was just kind of in a different world of of its own, honestly. Um, and it was kind of funny because I with this same company I went to North Korea with. I've done a couple other tours with them, and I went to Cuba with them um, last year. And obviously, as an American, Cuba has this kind of you know ooh Cuba you know thing. And even though it's opened up more recently, that was actually before that had all happened when I went. And so I was sort of expecting when I went to um, to have this very supervised, you know, all times experience like I had in North Korea where, you know, literally in Pyongyang, we couldn't leave the hotel at night and you weren't allowed to wander around without the guides by yourself. And so I was sort of expecting that in Cuba. And then I went and it was just, they're just like, yeah, we don't care. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was really in, in, in the world. zone. it's, it's really the only time I've visited a place where I feel like I haven't come away with really that much perspective of what it's like for the people there. And I know you asked me about that earlier and I just, you know, there's the visible things that you can see, but in terms of digging down deeper into what life is like for the average North Korea, I I don't feel like I have that, that much perspective on that. I guess speaking just of other places you've been, where, where's your favorite place that you've ever been to? Favorite place that I've ever been. Um, I actually really liked Cuba, and yeah. I, I feel like whenever I go somewhere, that immediately becomes my new <laughs> place to go. But it's been a it's been a while now, and I really enjoyed I really enjoyed going to Cuba again. It was with the same the same company, um, and I that was my second group tour that I went on after North Korea. And I think the reason that I liked it so much is when I go on these group tours, it's it's really a good way to be kind of immersed in the culture and the people there um, as much as possible. Again, based upon the circumstances while also kind of just being able to show up and, and sort of like, you know, tag along and, and see what comes up. I, I actually try when I go on these tours to not really research that much before I go because I've had such good experience and I trust that they'll, you know, figure everything out and I'll have a good time and, and learn new things. 
Um, and so I started to show up. And, and when I was in Cuba, it was a really good opportunity to – there we actually got to meet really interesting people and, you know, talk with a lot of the people there um, using my limited Spanish <laughs> language <laughs> knowledge. But, yeah, it was, it was a really cool opportunity to meet the people and try the food and get a, get a taste for the culture there. You've talked about this this company that you've gone through. I know you are starting your own travel company, mm-hmm. Alt States. Have those groups inspired your your business? I think the biggest thing is that what I've learned from my group travels previously is that there's such I I get such a thrill out of meeting new interesting people from around the world in in my case, in places where you wouldn't really expect to. Um, and so the trips I've been on to North Korea and Cuba and, um, and Moldova and Transnistria, which is a breakaway territory in Moldova, <laughs> just these kind of odd places. I've met just like really, really incredible people that I have developed friendships that I you know, hope will last, last a lifetime. And that's kind of what's inspired me to show off the best of the Midwest um, to both people who, who live here and, um, and also those who, who would maybe visit here and hopefully I convince, can convince to visit here. Um, I, I think having grown up in Iowa, I didn't have as much of an appreciation for it as I do now. And now having moved around a bit, although still with the Midwest, but having also traveled and seen other places, um, and but now having moved back to Iowa, I have a lot more appreciation for the really cool um, cultural things and, and just unique, unique stuff that we have here in Iowa and in the greater Midwest. And I think that especially to international visitors, that often gets overlooked. I think if you um, were to poll, you know, the average person who comes to the U.S. for the first time, they're going to places like New York or Miami or L.A., which are awesome places, but um, – you know, that's that's kind of the, the typical thing that a lot of people do. And I think there's a market out there for people who want to see offbeat places that they can say, oh, to their friends, oh, you've, you know, I've been here and you haven't. <laughs> and, you know, Instagram, cool farm pics and things like that. Um, and, and sort of just get that typical Americana experience that you can't as easily get if you just, you know, jet off to New York City for a weekend. You know, coming to the Iowa State Fair, that's such a such an awesome, unique experience. I remember we took our German exchange student in high school there, his first or second day in the U.S., and he's like, what the heck is this? This is the craziest thing I've ever seen. Brendan Eigelhart and Keenan Wilson for the Great Quad Cities Listen. To share your story as part of the Great Quad Cities Listen, Sign up for a time and place to record at greatqclisten.org. This project was made possible thanks to the Joyce and Tony Singh Family Foundation.